Hello, everyone. It's Emily Wishall, the host of Radical Embodiment, the podcast. Welcome to episode two of season two. And I'm really excited today to get to bring a woman who is so dear to me. I value her depth and her wisdom and intelligence in the space that she creates so deeply, Amy Lynn. So Amy is a licensed psychotherapist in Colorado and a true artist and psychic who supports you in healing trauma and aligning with more of your soul so that you can embody your wholeness. Amy brings expert trauma healing, intuitive counseling, and plant medicine integration into a unique and powerful transformational model. She sees her role as supporting you to be your healer, connecting with your inner light and soul vibration. Amy also offers the, she has the aligned root, aligned and rooted intuitive astrology school and online courses for intuitive healing and personal development. In addition to gifting Reiki healing circles with every new and full moon. Amy's clients also receive access to her personal online library and they get continuous support, guidance, um, and meditations. Um, so in addition to Amy's online coaching and powerful guided meditation, she also offers um, intuitive astrology, breathwork, ancestral lineage, healing, and consciousness, expanding energetic upgrades and codes. So that is a lot, but um, she has just rich vastness to offer. Um, we dive into the conversation. We go a little bit into astrology, how that relates to body image. Um, we briefly touch on trauma um, and more in the conversation. So I hope that you enjoy it and um, make sure to check out the show notes for all the links to be able to check out. There's a lot of free offerings and expensive offerings that Amy is providing. Um, so make sure and check it out. And so now to the episode, to the interview. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm here with Amy Lynn, and I'm really excited and honored to have you here, Amy, and excited to get to dive into this conversation. I know that Amy has a lot of value for a lot of us um, that we can resonate with, relate to, and learn from. So um, thank you for being here, Amy. I'm happy I to be here. Would like to start with asking you just generally, you know, this, this podcast being titled Radical Embodiment. To you, what does embodiment mean? I think about really being able to live your full, whole self through the physical experience of life. So really being able to hold your energy field, your emotional self, your mental self, uh, your physical qualities, holding all of that together in the system that is your body and being able to live in this like very um, integrated holistic way, not just in your mind, not just in your body itself, but all of that together. The body's kind of the anchoring of the system. Mm, I like that, that the body's the anchoring of the system. Yeah. Um, how... I would love if you don't mind just sharing with us, because I know um, I'm just going to we're going to edit that. <laughs> um, I know that you have like a, quite a background. You had a lot of background um, like as a dancer, as a mover, you know, kind of having maybe more of an embodied experience younger on than a lot of people. So if you don't mind just to kind of give us some groundwork and framework, I'd love for you to share you know, you just kind of gave what embodiment means 
means to you from, you know, where you are in today. Um, how has like your experience of being embodied kind of shifted, ebbed and flowed through your life? And how has you seen that? How have you seen that be a support to you in regards to how you feel in your body, meaning specifically like how you feel like body image and, um, you know, hyper-focus potentially around weight or physical appearance or the, the lack of that, just being able to feel really good in your body. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, I was, um, such a quiet and intuitive and emotional child that I really don't feel like I was really in my body for the first, I don't know, let's say decade of my life. I was just sort of floating. <laughs> um, I've always been an artist. So I was kind of like in my imagination and my creative space as a way of being. And um, I always was a dancer since I was very young, but the way that I danced early on was in that same kind of creative expression sort of space. And I'm not sure, I haven't really thought about exactly what um, kind of grounded me into my body more or why I picked up sports and competitive, mm -hmm. being a competitive athlete. But that probably happened in middle school or so. I think it had a lot to do, honestly, with connecting to my dad. Um, I was also the oldest in my family, and I just kind of aligned more with him as my mom was kind of raising my younger siblings. And I, it just kind of created this natural way for us to connect. He was a football player, big, strong physicality. Mm -hmm. And so for I kind of understood that to be strong and active and big in the world was a way that I could receive love. That was one of the one of my ways anyway. And so I wound up getting really into athletics. Um, I was actually a college athlete. So my my kind of junior high, high school, college years of my life was very involved, like every single day of my life. I was doing pretty intense workouts, sports, weightlifting, whatever it was, conditioning. And that really helped me be in my body. Um, I didn't understand mindfulness or presence at that time in my life. It was kind of an era where that wasn't really discussed much. <laughs> yeah, I wish I would have. I wish I would have come up with that. <laughs> right, it feels yeah common. I think for a lot of us, right, especially going through high school years and involved in sports mm -hmm. or not involved in sports, I don't think it's had has historically been a denominator in in teenage experience. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so I, I do feel that I had to sort of almost come and go because it felt so good to be in my body and to be able to move in ways that were strong and powerful and adapt and where, you know, where I could like make awesome things happen you know, on a sports field or a court or whatever. But then to be like going out with friends on the weekend, trying to wear a cute outfit or look a certain way or be, you know, I, I grew up in the era where you know, I was in high school in the 90s, and it was like the body image type that was socially um, promoted. It was like the Kate Moss supermodel kind of era where the models were like, you know, looked like they were 11, 11 year old girls that had like no muscles, no curves, no body at all. And I had such a different body than that. So I definitely went through the years of feeling like I was too big, too strong, too like, you know, um, I, I definitely played around with some limiting food, limiting eating kinds of things, especially probably in my late high school, early college years. Mm -hmm. um, I, I actually remember a time when I fainted because I didn't eat enough food. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that I sort of put together, like, what am I doing to myself? And it kind of started to also 
I think that that um, aligned with more of my personal development. I was probably about 20 or so when that happened. And so I was starting to hit that kind of curve into later adolescence where there was like an emotional maturity happening. There was a coming into myself and my adult identity, you know, starting to happen all at the same time. So luckily I was someone who could sort of catch that um, and bring myself back into what it felt like in my body. Soon thereafter, I was in graduate school to be an art therapist. So I was having to really dig apart my own psychology and my own, you know, family lineage stuff and emotional state, um, the patterns I carried in my life. Um, and so I think that um, I really carried, I, I kind of, my, my body became more of a place. This is when I started practicing yoga and um, I lived in the Bay Area, so it was more about being outside in nature and finding beauty and like moving my body in ways that you know, I was past my athletic prime, you know, I was <laughs> no longer competing as an athlete. And so I had to, had to form a new way of being in my body. Um, and it was a little while after that, a couple of years after I was done with graduate school, that I actually took my first course in somatic psychotherapy at Columbia College in Chicago where I was actually learning how it all came together, how all of my experience of being a physical, you know, such a physically minded person and being such a movement oriented person, but then also bringing in my clinical training as a therapist and all the psychology theory that I'd learned and worked with, and then bringing that into where it all kind of synced up in the somatic psychotherapy world um, was just a fascinating way to kind of bring that all together. So I feel really lucky for the places that, um, that I got to, move and learn in order to not fall too deep into the painful side of body yeah. image stuff, you know, in those kind of tentative years. Yeah. As I say, it sounds like from what you shared that those moments of insecurity would come up, but it wasn't like a, a long lasting, consistent, necessarily internal narrative. It sounds like, you know, when you go into sports or would be in your physicality, which you really loved, it seems like your mind wasn't on that. It was just into the joy of the movement. Well, and this is, you know, as a mid forties person looking back. So I'm sure if you would have interviewed me at 20, I would have had a different answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think it's just helpful to just have a little bit more context, you know, where you're coming from your background. And I would love for you, if you don't mind just like speaking to, since this is like so much, I feel like your wealth of knowledge and expertise, kind of that intersection of the psychology and the somatics. Um, and what I think I'd like specifically for you to share on is, is trauma and trauma in the body, because, you know, we're here talking about embodiment. I started, you know, this conversation with asking you, what does embodiment mean to you? And, you know, so many of us have, I think all of us, right. Have some degree of trauma, yeah. you know, the big T trauma, mm -hmm. little T trauma, and we're consistently navigating that. I think it, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily becoming more amplified in today's world, but I feel like the noise mm -hmm. is, is becoming more amplified, which the noise meaning, you know, well, here we are on Zoom, but like just distractions, mm -hmm. social media and busy, busyness, busyness, busyness that I think all kind of take us out of our body. Um, so more from the perspective of, yeah, trauma and that intersection of the psychology and the somatics, kind of what happens in that response. Um, which is a, a big question and you can, you know, if you have a specific example, you're welcome to give or just speaking generally. Um, and then I'm gonna, yeah, we can kind of go into, yeah, let's just start with that. Yeah. Well, I have a lot that I could say about this. Um, 
I think going back to my original definition, which was something about letting all of the parts of the self live and exist and be in the body. Yeah. What happens with trauma is, is that we can't bring all the parts into the body or there's ways that we're suppressing or ignoring or overemphasizing different parts because of dysregulation. So yeah. to me, my sort of um, loose definition of trauma is anytime our sense of security or a sense of status quo is abruptly shifted and we're not able to immediately self-regulate and come into a new coherent narrative of whatever the shift was that just happened. So and that kind of leaves a lot of broad room for the small T traumas like you referred to, mm-hmm. or honestly, just a sense of being female bodied in the modern world, you know, coming in, living in a patriarchal society, we're not secure and safe here, none of us. So we're yeah. kind of in this constant baseline level of some nervous system dysregulation. And um, super simply what happens when we're in that um, response state is that we tend to become um, hyper aware, hyper vigilant, our nervous system kind of goes into a gear to help keep us safe. Mm -hmm. And then that can either become a way that we stay a little bit stuck so that we're a little more hyper vigilant looking for things in our mind kind of up and out of our body, or we can kind of get exhausted from that overreaction and go into like an underreaction where we're a little more um, hypo aroused, it's harder to get up and move. It's we're sleepier. It's more of like a depressed side of things. But the idea is just that we're we're not in a state of reception. We're not in an optimal window of tolerating the stress in our lives. So we're sort of discombobulated. We're dysregulated, going in and out of um, kind of hyper or hypo arousal states. Mm-hmm. And so in the body, what that looks like is that we're never really present. We're kind of over or under the space where our body exists. Um, And so, and we we humans, especially here in the United States, we have a way of kind of survival um, navigating, like just sort of overriding ourselves to just keep going, doing, functioning, whatever. And so we kind of don't realize that we're not in our bodies. We're just sort of like the bodies or these avatars kind of going through the day and then we're in and out of them as we see fit, as we need to go in to go to the gym or to remember to eat or whatever, you know, whatever. Um, And so I think that healing trauma, a big part of what I do in my practice is helping people start with awareness and breathing and then maybe some moving into eventual releasing some of the traumatic stress that the body kind of keeps the imprint or the cellular memory of the ways that we've had to react and cope to things in our lives. And from there, being able to um, have more self-responsibility about catching ourselves in that state where we're Mm -hmm. not fully present in our body. Mm -hmm. So it becomes both a practice as well as exercises of release, learning new ways to regulate, broadening a window of tolerance for stressors. It's kind of all these layers but always with the goal of an embodied state of presence, an embodied state of internal security. Yeah. Uh, and I, I feel like too, kind of what you're saying of, you know, we're either in the hypo, hyper, maybe combination of both um, states. I feel like so often too, we don't think about our bodies. We're not in our bodies until 
like there's some sort of really loud message, usually like pain or like high levels of anxiety. Um, and so what I think you're, what you're speaking to is also, you know, helping to heal some previous traumas, helping to become more resourced to probably increase our own awareness to be able to notice quicker when we're in and out of those states um, to help us be more curious too about maybe our body. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think really the, the end goal is to be in the body mm -hmm. almost all the time, uh, other than when we need to protect ourselves from a stressor and leave in order to cope, which some of us are still in situations where we can't be completely 100% secure all the time. Mm -hmm. Again, female bodied in the world is an example, but yes, absolutely. Yeah. And part of how you were languaging it, and you can tell me if this like, you know, resonates and rings true for you, um, just a little bit ago, it's like, you know, when we're in and out of the body, it's like, okay, we want to try and land back in the body. The way that I was internally like translating that was, mm -hmm. oh yeah, kind of like where the energetics meet the physical body, right? Where the energetic mm -hmm. body meets the physical body. And I speak a lot about that my work and the importance of that, would that be true to you? And can you, if so, can you speak to what does that mean? Like in a tangible way of our energetic body and our physical body and, and where they, they meet in that intersection? Mm -hmm. Well, I think this is something that one comes to through awareness practice, mm -hmm. being able to understand in, in their own unique perception of themselves what it's like to feel and sense the, their somatic experience in their body. Um, so it's a presence, it's an awareness tool using the mind to feel the body. I mean, you're right, like most of us, something kind of screams at us to get back in the body when we kind of first come into the awareness that we're not in the body, right? There's an injury, there's pain, there's some kind of physical problem going on, high anxiety, those kinds of things bringing us back in. But if you're someone who is, is hoping for full embodiment and wants to really heal the things that are keeping you from that embodiment, it's really a practice in becoming aware of how your body feels as a primary point of checking in. Yeah. So most of us check in with our mind or emotional state, even so much meditation, like mindfulness meditation, to me, it still happens on the mental level. It's a very cognitive process. Mm -hmm. And where I have seen people really be able to shift their lives, mine included, is being able to hold space for a somatic energetic awareness. So mm -hmm. like you were saying, where the, the sort of, I don't want to say place because it's not just one place, but the, the perceived experience of where the energy field and the body share connection mm -hmm. or integrate together is really the point of healing. And I love working with you and understanding the work that you do, especially the body work, because I feel like the, the fascia within our body mm -hmm. is, is a meeting point for the energetics of our electromagnetic field, our energy field, and the actual physical bones, organs, tissue in the body, the muscle, where it kind of all comes together. So yeah. it's more complex in the awareness practice than just kind of paying attention to that connection point because we all have such different ways that our bodies have coped and exists and how we're shaped and how our information that is held in our fascia, the way that our energy field, the way we run our field, you know, all that's very different. 
but at a, at a basic level, it's being able to hold an awareness for all of that, the whole of you, your entire energy body, your physical body, and the place where it meets in the present moment. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot. And I'm glad I appreciate you bringing up fascia, of course, <laughs> fascia. but I think I, I, if you don't mind going deeper, well, before we go deeper into the fascia, um, do you, in your own experience, or maybe the experience of clients just to help bring this a little bit more tangible for people who are like, these are a lot of big words. Like what, you know, what does this actually mean? What would you, how might you describe like the felt sense of this? Um, or, or in also like the benefits, like what can it help a person be able to experience more of in their life? Um, meaning, you know, being able to, um, have more of that somatic connection of what really is present. What really is it that you're feeling in that energetic and physical experience? Um, mm -hmm. what is that? Like, is there a way that you could describe it that you kind of like, or like, oh yeah, I, um, I can tell that I'm in this space. Well, I think to break it down for someone who's new to these kinds of ideas and concepts, mm -hmm. um, most, I would say all people, I don't think I've ever had a client that can't do this. I would say all people who come in, at least walk through my doors can feel their hands. Yeah. They can close their eyes and they can feel a sensation of aliveness in their hands. Mm -hmm. And that's something you could even just do right now is just close your eyes and feel that it, it's hard to put words on that words to that but that's the, what I mean when I talk about a felt sense of the somatic energy mm -hmm. experience and so yeah. use the hands to describe it too so that's great yeah I think there's such a they feel like a more natural easy entry point for a lot of yeah us. it's a great yeah. entry point and even just bringing that in as a daily meditation practice to just notice mm -hmm. the aliveness in your hands mm -hmm. just that simple act alone does all has all kinds of benefits from just the ones that we know of from mindfulness meditation where you're just sit, sitting still with yourself in a dedicated space of time to just breathe and feel and sense and be present um all the way to being able to grow that awareness and being able to feel more parts of the body over time i know that when i i don't know if, if we want it we can go in this direction and get into this if you want to but I had a near-death experience 15 years ago and was completely out of my body, completely out of my ego, out of my human self, like gone in the cosmos. And there was a, a spiritual choice point wherever my soul was in outer space where I understood that I had to come back in. And I understood that that meant coming into the body. And there's this kind of whole uh, kind of incarnation experience that I had with that. Mm -hmm. And when I came back in, it was to a traumatized body because what had happened to me through an illness and pregnancy and through a birth experience was highly, highly traumatic. Yeah. So my having to come back into the body over time and to learn these tools while also having that nervous system static in my body and mm -hmm. as well as just the stressors of being a new mother and working mm. and trying to heal from everything that happened. It was a lot. Yeah. And so a practice that I would do early on in that kind of era of my life was to just let my feet be part of my body. Mm. Like that, that was something that I think I just did before and took for granted in my kind of pre near death experience days of being mm. an athlete and whatever. 
And, and the experience of sort of coming back in was like, oh, these legs are mine. These feet are mine. Like I can be in this place where I can move my toes. That <laughs> is a very, very simple place. Yeah. So I feel like physically, many of us are very aware of our kind of our head and heart and like upper body. Like that's mm-hmm. a space that we kind of go to and can feel and understand. But just being able to look at your feet. And I, I do this um, exercise with clients where I have them feel the bottom of their feet as though it's the same as the palm of their hand. So it's kind of a mental experience, but it's also a somatic awareness where you're kind of taking in how, like how I said earlier, to feel the sensation of aliveness in your hands, to kind of do that in your feet. So even something as simple as that, as a practice to start your day, like waking up and letting your feet be alive yeah is kind of a tan to me that's I know I'm still kind of talking energetically but (laughs) I think most I that's such a good example the hands or the feet and I think the feet are such a great place to start because I do think a lot of us right we we, in like the upper half or even like upper Mm -hmm. quarter of of our our body we're actually maybe not really in there but we're more in our mind but um that it can be challenging like how can we connect into the lower half of our body so feet are also such a beautiful entry point to me the feet metaphorically it means so much it's our support it's our groundedness it's our rootedness and to just i love that intention of waking up and setting that intention for yourself of i'm just going to connect into the aliveness of my feet or you know before i step out of bed right i'm going to have my feet on the ground and can i feel where the earth the ground meets my feet and can i feel that support and just choosing that and can you know using that as a reference throughout your day i think a lot of people would be able to connect into that to feel that to you know, we can even move our feet right on the carpet, move our feet in our mm-hmm. shoes, you know, rub our toes. I'm a fan of those little subtle, tangible movement, physical movements to help mm-hmm. us also then continue to be able to be more in our body. I, um, it doesn't have to be this like static, like I'm going to sit and be still and connect into my right. body. I think that's almost like opposite, especially when somebody's mm-hmm. new in their experience of learning to be in their body of wanting to create some healing in their nervous system. Um, so I think that's a great, um, really beautiful example. And I hadn't ever played with for myself of feeling like the bottoms of my feet were similar to the palm of my hands. And so that was, I was just feeling that in my own body and I was like, oh, I like, I like that. Like I felt the arch of my foot in a new way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So do you mind just sharing a little bit? Well, it sounds like that was kind of the experience that you, the practice you took on after, after that trauma, after that near-death experience and your first birth of um, just starting with your feet and just starting simple there. Yeah, I think I actually, when I really go back in time and break it down, I would say that I probably started with breathing before I was even doing body specific Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that was, you know, breathing is the thread that keeps your awareness in your body, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. And so like working with breathing and breath, like, I don't think I had ever understood myself. Like I'd never paid attention to breathing before this part of my life, mm. um, which is, it's fascinating. I actually was under general anesthesia for the birth of my first son. And there was a literally a machine breathing for me. Right. So it's like my body went all the way back to this not even breathing and then coming back into breathing on my own. And then breath became my healing in those early times. I think also just like holding a newborn and stuff, it's kind of all you can do. (laughs) 
this break. <laughs> but um, so early on, it was a lot of, um, you're just going to laugh at the era of this, but we did have iTunes back then. We didn't have podcasts or anything like that, but there was someone who had done these guided meditations and they were kind of just very simple guiding you to be aware of your breathing, very basic kind of stuff. But to me, but way back then it was brand new. And I remember just burning CDs <laughs> yeah. and like playing them um, for myself anyway. So I think guided breath work is awesome. If, if it's too much to even understand what it is to just pay attention to your breathing, to go to yoga classes or go, do breath work guided sessions and yeah. kind of get in touch that way. And the breath is what then helped me create the capacity for the connection to bring my awareness into my physical body again. I completely, yeah, completely agree with that. And I think too, yeah, starting with some sort of guided practice, guided meditation is so helpful because I've had clients where, you know, they played with, okay, I'm going to do a five minute body scan every morning, but they like when they're just doing it themselves and if it's totally new practice, it's, I think, more challenging for them to be with it, meaning their mind wants to more quickly go into judgment or I'm doing this wrong or I need to figure something out versus mm -hmm. when you're being guided, you're automatically receiving some degree of support. And I think it can help just relax into it a little bit more as you're expanding your capacity. Mm -hmm. And I completely agree and believe that the breath is the foundational tool that supports us in having more of a state of embodied awareness. Um, yeah. Um, so I'm going to kind of shift gears a little bit. Um, as I mentioned in Amy's introduction, Amy has an astrology school and so also, um, works a lot with astrology. And as we're in this conversation of, you know, just she's giving tools, a little bit of her own personal story and experience of, you know, being out of her body near death experience, how to be more in our bodies and the place where, right, our energy field and bodies come together, which yeah, isn't one place, but how does, cause I know you have a, um, you can like, I don't want to like a theory or teaching or perspective mm -hmm. on astrology and the physical body. And why might somebody who doesn't feel good in their body, um, who maybe feels ashamed of their body or just like, doesn't feel that confident in their body, why might they want to maybe deepen an understanding of astrology and where the planets are in relationship to them on any given period? Um, I'd love for you to speak to that because um, I think that that's, yeah, really valuable and curious. Yeah, well, I'll start by saying that I, I believe that astrology is a tool for self-acceptance. At its most basic, that's really what it is. Mm -hmm. And so how I think about that is I have to start by thinking about how teeny tiny we are here on the earth and the earth is rotating around the sun and we're in this relationship with our entire solar system, at least, you know, what we, what we think of in space is like just our teeny tiny solar system. There's so many other energetics happening that don't even come into play yet in astrology. But if you just think of the planets that are in our solar system, also rotating around the earth, all in a relationship to each other because all the planets have different sizes, different lengths of time that it takes them to revolve around the sun, that kind of thing. And from our perspective here, I just think how could we not be feeling the energy 
of all these massive planetary bodies moving around. Mm. And so I started learning more about, you know, I've kind of always been loosely aware of astrology since I was probably in middle school and kind of followed like, you know, kind of more pop culture types sun sign kind of stuff in a long time ago. Um, but what I've come to realize is that understanding the imprint of the solar system from the moment of your birth, which is known as your birth chart, mm-hmm. kind of gives you this information about who you really are on a mm-hmm. physical level, on an emotional level, on a spiritual level. And so when it comes into talking about body image specifically, mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating to look at what is set up in your birth chart. Because just like your genetics or, you know, other factors that are sort of set as far as how your body is in your birth chart, you have the same thing. Um, For example, I shared my kind of intense athletic history and my work, the way that I work out and things. And my, the, my, the, the personal planet that impacts body is Mars. And so you can look at where you have Mars in your birth chart, what Zodiac sign, what house that it's in, what other aspects are on other planets, and you can get a lot of information, even if you just know the zodiac sign and the element of that sign. So mm-hmm. for example, my Mars is in Leo, which mm-hmm. is a strong fire sign. It's like the lion, right? It makes sense that like, I, I think I felt good in my body because I was aligned with my birth chart. I was doing what I was sort of meant to do, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you're someone who is, you know, ha- it hasn't yet figured out what your body really wants to be and wants to do and the way that it wants to move. I actually think that your birth chart is like a magical window into that truth. And I think that aligning with that can just be so healing for really coming into full embodiment and acceptance of self. Yeah. And would you say too, just as like, if somebody only had a snippet of information of their birth chart, like just looking at Mars alone and having an understanding, okay, where was Mars in your birth chart and then taking that meaning and how can that apply to, would it apply to like my movement? Would it apply to eating? Would it just apply generally to my experience of my body? I think probably all of that. And yes, you can, if you, if, if all of astrology is kind of confusing and overwhelming because it is a massive energy system and language that you have to really learn and become fluent in over time. If you just find out where, where your Mars placement is in your birth chart, which you should be able to do, you can go to astro.com and pull a free chart. You can look for the little glyph of Mars, which looks like the male, like the circle with the arrow, like the sign for male. And that's the sign for Mars. And then you can determine what Zodiac sign that's in. If you don't know anything about the Zodiac signs, that's okay. If you can figure out which element it is, if it's water, air, earth, or fire, even just that information will give you a lot of ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, someone who has their Mars in water needs to probably swim and dance and move in fluid ways. Yeah. Whereas someone who has their Mars in fire, like I do hot yoga, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, like it's very, um, and, and I get, I love dance, but I don't like slow, flowy dance. I like hip hop. I like a beat, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that makes sense with my Mars, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, those are just some examples. There's a lot of ways you can look at it. Yeah. Um, I think cool. of air signs being kind of more martial, martial arts or like Tai Chi, like using air for movement, um, maybe less intense kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, earth absolutely walking, running, hiking, like think about using the ground 
but that can mm. be dancing too. I actually had a ballet dancer once talk about how they're, they learned that the earth is their partner or like the floor is their partner, which mm. I love that idea. Mm. So yeah, that's one way. If you're someone who's already kind of into astrology and you understand it a little more, I, I think that we really live the cosmos in our body, in our being. And so the more you actually follow the transits, which is where the planets currently are moving, Mm-hmm. what what signs are moving through the ways they're in relationships to each other that we feel that in our body too yeah. um and if that's not too confusing i'll add to that and say that when certain transits happen like i think it's really fascinating my astrology nerd mind is loving this timing but we have a really big um mars is moving into retrograde you probably have heard of Mer- mercury moving mm-hmm. into retrograde because it happens quite often several times a year but Mars doesn't move into retrograde as often. So we don't talk about it as much, but that's coming up at the end of this month on October 30th. And we're already yeah. kind of in the, in the beginning shade period of that. And that goes through mid January, 2023. And the, the shade period of that um, goes all the way to March, 2023. So we're really talking about like a big, long chunk of time where Mars, the body is going to be in this kind of like review or slow down. So you know, I don't use astrology to be predictive, but mm-hmm. it could just mean like slow into yourself and really feeling your body. What is your body? What is the wisdom in your body saying? Mm-hmm. What's the consciousness? What does your body actually need versus what you think it needs or how you think it needs to look or behave? Yeah. Like actually listening to what's true, accepting what's true for your body. And that's kind of this whole next, however many months that is for us to do that. And if we don't, <laughs> if we don't, kind of prioritize that or spend some time on that consciously that's when injuries or illnesses or like things can pop up in order to grab our attention into that space so I would also just offer to your listeners to be in um, body awareness meditation like this if they're working with you now this is really good timing (laughs) so to just make sure I'm understanding this Amy so Mars is the planet that represents the body the physical body and it's going retrograde meaning mm-hmm. it's going back well it's you know astrology is very earth centric so it appears to us that it's going backwards it's not, yeah. it never actually goes backwards <laughs> but it's like kind of behind the earth maybe in a way yeah yeah and mm-hmm. so what you're saying is important to do in that period of time which is like end of october to mid january 2023 is to really make sure you're really doing body centered practices that you're really inviting your body to be more of the conversation in regards to what movement or exercise you're doing. Absolutely. And I think the like the, the theme of it is listening to your body and accepting what's true. Listening. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And it's not, it can sound so easy. Just listen to your body and accept <laughs> that is true. And I think that what I'm learning more and more to really be in the capacity of being with what is and accepting Mm -hmm. what is accepting what your body is telling you is Mm -hmm. it's it's um it's skillful work it's important work and it's not just like as easy as it may seem um because i think that we're often right like we want to fix it or we want to amplify our state or okay i'm noticing i'm kind of anxious let me just like go for a run or let me do this thing and 
not to say we shouldn't do movements or practices that support our overarching well-being, but what what I think is important, and I'm imagining even with this Mars retrograde is maybe even more important to uh, really focus on for each of us personally is to really be clear of our underlying motivating factor, meaning like what, what is motivating us to want to do this movement? What is motivating us to want to shift the way I'm feeling? Um, and is it really coming from like more of our highest good or to really support ourselves? Or is it coming more from maybe numbing or bypassing or something like or that? Or I even look at it like, is it is it the body or is it the mind? Like which part of us is telling us to do that? And, you know, one of my, one of my working definitions of anxiety is when there's a disconnect between the body and the mind, like that's basically what anxiety is to me. So I feel like there's a lot of, because you asked, you mentioned earlier about like, what are the benefits of all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the benefits of really listening to your body as a place of knowing, as a place of decision is to not be in anxiety. That's probably that's the quickest way out of anxiety is into the body. Yeah. And so there's a, we didn't really get into body consciousness, but we, we can, but mm -hmm. I just wanted to mention that, you know, I, I really feel that the body always knows what's real. The body always knows the truth. Yeah. And so there's a practice that I encourage people to use um, just throughout every day. It's not really like a set, like a separate practice. It's just kind of a way of being is to let the body answer your yes and no questions. Mm, and mm -hmm. so there's a way that you know just like muscle testing or a pendulum or and I don't know if this is kind of too woo woo but if you just kind of sit still or stand still I usually put a hand on my high heart like at the, mm. uh, the top of my breastbone because mm -hmm. it's just a place of it kind of helps me center and ground but I also really feel myself there mm-hmm and then if I ask myself, I usually have people when I'm teaching them just do a very simple question, like their first name, like my name is Amy mm -hmm. and just see how your body responds to that. Does it lean? Does it sway? Does it stay still? Mm -hmm. You know, most, most people will have, there's not kind of one universal way, but people will have a sensation that they can tell happens mm -hmm. and then try a name that's not yours. My name is blah, 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 and see what the body does instead. Mm -hmm. And that's how you get your sort of yes and your no, as the body will tell it. The practice is in listening and doing the body's yes and no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a different story. But um, just always asking and checking in there. So I, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about body consciousness or about the direction that's too much for today. <laughs> I mean, I would love to a little bit since you dabbled in it. And I just even love that practice. And I appreciate that you distinguished of it's it more about what like it feels like this period of time with this mars green retrograde is like and in general i think to just maybe this period of time is helping all of us with the fact that like the timing of the podcast is going to be out mm -hmm. right around then um mm -hmm. to allow our body more on board to answer for us mm -hmm. and i think that like i always think about movement for that because i think we create these like exercise programs or movement plans and like, how often do we never actually ask our body how it wants to move in this moment, mm -hmm. in this day? Um, usually it's not a part of the conversation at all, which feels really like disjointed to me. So inviting mm -hmm. it more. And I love connecting to this part of our upper sternum, our upper breastbone. Cause I, yeah, I just had so much sensation myself just connecting in there. And I know it's a place of truth for me when I'm, um, 
out of my own integrity, when I'm not listening to my body, when I'm not listening to my inner knowings, I get right in that space. I get really uncomfortable sensations um, Mm -hmm. or tightening or pulls that then bring me back into, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. What are you wanting me to, to notice here? What's yeah. Yeah. But I'd love for you, if you don't mind sharing just a little bit body consciousness, what, what does that mean? Um, and how does that relate to kind of what we're talking about here? Mm-hmm. Well, how, you know, how I see things is that I see that I see things as energy, as vibration, as frequency. I kind of work in that way and then try to bring it into a human cognitive understanding. So mm-hmm. I hope this makes sense. But I see that we each have our own unique essence. Uh, it's a vibration of energy that is purely and truly unique to you. And the, the place that that comes through our energy field and connects into the physical body is through that, I call this the high heart, that mm-hmm. upper sternum area. And I think most people can kind of feel or understand a deeper connection to self there. Yeah. I think it's kind of just an intuitive thing. Um, and from there, I imagine the frequency of the soul filling all the bones of the skeleton Mm. So that the skeleton holds this always present, ever steady frequency or vibration of your unique essence. Like it's just always there at the base of your system. Mm -hmm. And it's not something we can change or alter like we can muscles or thoughts or emotions. You know, it's just kind of the steady thing. The whole time that we're here in this lifetime, it will exist like that. It's just a matter of tuning your awareness. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm connecting that. I'm like, am I feeling it correctly? Because my first sense, I'm like, oh, that feels old. Yeah. I mean, our, maybe because it's in been, my perspective, yeah. our soul has been around for a long time. Yeah. It's old. Yes. It's older than the body. Right. Mm-hmm. If you, if you take the perspective that we've lived multiple lifetimes, it's, mm-hmm. this is the, you know, not the first time you've been in a body. So for many of us, that vibration does feel old, steady, uh, has like kind of that mature, like it's just patiently there kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. I tend to work with old souls, so I'm not really sure what it would feel like to someone who is newer in the body. <laughs> I don't know if I feel old to them or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, I sometimes wonder, I used to always think I was an old soul. And then some point in time, a few years ago, I had some reading. I was like, oh, I'm a new soul. But now in this moment, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know when I connect to my bones, it feels old. So who yeah. knows? I don't. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think there there is this kind of like original self experience mm-hmm. that we have mm-hmm. that I think whether we don't have to put labels on new or old soul, I think we've all been here at least one other time, <laughs> which yeah. was not now. So that is old. right, right, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Sorry, were you going to expand from there as far as what I like? What, um, I kind of inter- interjected there, but well, you're so intuitive, Emily. I'm going to exactly expand from there because if you go into that frequency in your bones. Mm -hmm. And let that vibrate through and expand out through the body and connect to the energy field. That's really the place of connection where you can feel your body consciousness as the whole system. Mm -hmm. So while I taught that kind of exercise of the yeses and the noes with your high heart, Mm -hmm. you also can kind of go stronger into the whole system to feel your body consciousness, your knowing. Mm. It's how I think of it. Like the more present and still you are and the more aware you can be with your system, with your body, the more there's just so much wisdom there. 
So your intuition comes through all the cells of your body through, through the bone frequency out into your being and then to your mind. That's kind of how we get intuitive. That's why intuition feels different than thinking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like it kind of comes from a different place than a cognition, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, So that's the short of it. When I think of body consciousness and knowing in the body. I, we could have a whole, it would be actually really do safely like, to just have a conversation specifically on that and dissecting the different mm-hmm. parts of our physical body with that. Um, and I feel, and just for listeners who are new in regards to the world of like energy field and connecting to your energy field in season one of the, um, my of radical embodiment, the podcast, I think it's episode nine, let yourself be fully seen. I take you through a short practice mm-hmm. of actually expanding out into your energetic presence and energy field. So you can take a listen to that um, after this, just to help give you a tangible experience of that. Um, Okay, Amy, I could just ask you a lot of specific (laughs) questions, but I would love, and maybe it's, maybe it's a practice you just offer, but just in summary, would you like, what would be your one main takeaway that you may have for listeners in regards to if they're wanting to live a more, like what I'm calling like a radically embodied life, if they're wanting to experience more body love, um, what suggestion or practice or tip would you offer? Well, I think we have such perfect timing with this Mars moving into retrograde for there's so much universal energetic support to be moving into that radical embodiment that paying such attention to the body in such a loving present way. Um, In addition to the body consciousness check-in with the high heart for Mm -hmm. yeses and noes, which I think is just a beautiful way to start to practice this. And in addition to feeling your feet, the aliveness in your feet and the kind of that palm of the hands feeling on the bottom of the feet. So in addition to those two, Mm I started to forget what I was going to say. Um, I also feel like um, there's, we didn't really go full into trauma because I mean, I think that'd be like another full podcast episode to really go there. Yeah. But uh, one thing, especially I'm assuming most, if not all of your listeners are female bodied humans. Mm-hmm. And we tend to have our nervous system activated throughout the day, like nonstop. And so there's a practice where you can come into um kind of calming your vagus nerve, which is involved in the traumatic stress response Mm -hmm. by lying on your belly. And you can put, um, if you have a a foam roller or something, you can put that under the hip flexors. Mm -hmm. If you have just a rolled up towel or something, you can do that. It kind of helps to put, you don't have to put pressure there, but it helps to put pressure there on the belly Mm -hmm. and just let yourself do some maybe 20 deep breaths or listen to one song or have some way that you're going to be sort of like supporting yourself through a short um, body based breathing, resting stillness practice that will also allow you to have the experience of your body coming into a parasympathetic nervous system state. Mm -hmm. Because I think we can't just jump right into body consciousness work without making sure we can be in our body in a calm way. So I think that's kind of the yes. bridge yeah. to get to that. You know? beautiful, it's an important bridge. Yeah, totally mm-hmm. to actually use our physiological understanding and the science that we know about the body and utilizing stimulation of the vagus nerve to support our nervous system to feel more safe, to be in a more rest, digest. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, part. and from there to then, then it might be a nicer experience to do the body consciousness check-in or yeah. 
if you're kind of not at that point yet. Yeah. That's a great practice. So lying on your stomach. Mm -hmm. Um, Amy, are there like, how can people find out more about your work or do you have any offerings, things coming up you'd like listeners to know about? Yeah, well, if, if people are interested in the energy side of things, my partner Brian and I always do free Reiki moon healings every full moon and every new moon. So about every two weeks we do this. You can join in for free with your awareness and your intention. You can join a text message reminder list that just kind of helps remind you when it's happening, gives all of our dates for it, but also brings in some of the astrological information. You can do that by texting the word CONNECT, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, to the number 720-927-7722. I think Instagram is probably my, like, one place to, like, find me for everything. Uh, My Instagram handle is roots, like a tree root, R-O-O-T, wellness studio. And my link tree there has, in my bio, has all my different, my website and all my different offerings. Um, The only astrology course I have coming up I have two coming up soon. There's an eclipse course. It's a very short, it's a little $28 online course to help with the, we're already kind of in eclipse season now, but the first one is October 25th. The second is November 8th. I think from a body-based perspective, the eclipses are happening on a Taurus-Scorpio polarity and Taurus very much is how our body shows up in time and space. Mm. Um, Scorpio is more like going deep. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of got more psychological elements to it. But this, again, can support, if you look at astrological and lunar events as things that can support us for our, our higher knowing and our deeper healing, um, that time is coming. And then the other one is Generational Roots, the other course that's available soon. And that's because we talk about this time of year, the veil starts to get thin between the realms and the world. That's why I did this work Halloween. with you last year, I remember. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. And we're, we're really healing um, ancestral lineage through the body too, which we know from epigenetics, which is a whole other episode in and of itself as well, the way we hold the frequency in our body, as well as even the tangible DNA level history of our family and ourselves of our being. So those are coming up. But Amazing. Yeah. Also rich offerings. So definitely go check out Amy's Instagram, Root Wellness Studio. Root Wellness Studio. Yeah, mm-hmm. Go to her link tree so you can see all these. I'll have everything linked in the show notes also so you can easily find everything. Um, and I really encourage anyone who re- resonated with what she had to offer and share to check out her work because she is incredibly gifted and talented and intelligent and such a kind, caring, loving heart and energy space that you hold. So oh, yeah. thank you, Emily. You're welcome. Well, it's been fun to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. And anything else you want to say before we take off, Amy? Um, I forgot I have a podcast too. Yes. <laughs> That's another place you can get free, you know, like little tips and tools and astrology information. So awesome. Yes. Check out Amy's podcast. Say the name on my time. <laughs> Vibrate the how-to podcast for a high vibrational life. (laughs) Yes. I love it. Awesome. Go check out Vibrate. All right. Take care, everyone.